Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome into Purple Daily here as the Vikings uh, may or may not play on Sunday. And so far they haven't tested positive any further um, with uh, the COVID outbreak that happened with the Titans. So we'll keep you all posted on the show about the status of the game this Sunday against the Texans. 0-3 versus 0-3. But you know what? Win or lose, Declan Goff. Yeah. Win or lose. Corona Hard Seltzer is your friend this season for the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, well, they have to be because the only thing that I get enjoyment after the uh, final whistle blows the fourth quarter that I get to absolutely uh, drown my sorrows away with a, with a great can of Corona Hard Seltzer, whether it's cherry, mango, blackberry, lime. There's plenty of good options. Even the traditional lime. Even with the weather changing, a lot you can't you can't beat a lime Corona hey, Seltzer. Can I give a little tease for the show here today? And that Corona Hard Seltzer cherry flavor, yeah, actually has one fewer fourth quarter comeback than Kirk Cousins in his Whoa, Vikings career. That's right. Wow. A, a can of Corona Hard Seltzer cherry is really close to Kirk Cousins on the fourth quarter uh, comeback. And Dex, screen. Dex, you you start drinking during games too. Of course. So, th- but this is not a post game yeah. thing. No, this <laughs> like is, let's this not is make a, a mistake thing. here. Th- this, this is a is, lifestyle. This is Vikings first drive done. Yeah. You're drinking. Yeah, this is a lifestyle. Uh, Corona Hard Seltzer is the only hard seltzer made with pure beach vibes, with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Football. Yeah, I think it was more of a disaster than chaos. I mean, guys knew what they were doing. Um... The first play, uh, Kirk uh, got pressured, and then the second play, uh, I think, was a bad snap, or maybe it was a third play, but he had a lot of people in his face at that time. And so, you know, it was hard to get the ball down the field. Disaster versus chaos. That's the more interesting matchup, I think, this Sunday than the (laughs) Texans and the Vikings. Welcome into Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Producing, and Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. She is a Vikings insider and reporter and uh, and she joins us at least one day a week. This week, she's going to join us a couple times. And every Wednesday on this show, we do a deep dive into the state of Kirk Cousins because he's interesting. He is one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. He is the most important piece to this Vikings puzzle. And uh, there's a lot to discuss based on the game in week three and all the fallout 
and the back and forth about chaos or disaster. I also want to present something to you guys so you can tell me if I'm being too hard on Kirk, and we'll get to that. But, Courtney, real quick, what were your thoughts on this sort of back and forth, Mike Zimmer cutting open a vein after the game and uh, probably not making Gary Kubiak or Kirk Cousins very happy and then kind of walking it back and saying, I guess it wasn't chaos. It was a disaster. What did you make of all that? Disaster, like... I understand the word choice for that, but like chaos, I don't think it wasn't chaos. I mean, you have a situation there where you're told you're telling Kirk in the offense with one minute, 44 seconds left, go win the game. And it unfolded in like nuclear explosion fashion. So if you want to call it that, if you want to call it a kerfuffle, um, you want to call it a complete, just meltdown, chaos. I mean, I don't think he was wrong in his assessment. Um, Chaos describes this entire team. It was a story that I wrote for Monday um, from top to bottom. It's not just the offense. It's the defense. It's the state of the entire franchise right now. And I'm sure that there's some feathers that were ruffled with that, making it sound like they don't know what they're doing. They certainly do, but the execution was very poor. So I don't think Mike Zimmer was wrong to call it chaos to call the drive a disaster i mean you know if he wants to walk the word choice back because it didn't sit well with people that's his prerogative but i think he was right the first time to kind of just go all in there um and really you know say how he felt and, and they're gonna be people i know that i saw it that are saying well what about his defense why doesn't he ever take you know why doesn't he ever call his defense chaos or say that they're a disaster and that's what i think you know we're going to start seeing some, if this continues that you'll start to see the fingers pointed at different directions. And, you know, did Kirk Cousins take a shot at the defense? Did he not like, I mean, with the 500, anytime you put up nearly 500 yards and 30 points, you're doing something right. Like you can, you can insinuate that. Um, But I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And and that's certainly you're going to, it's going to be very much like 2018. The read between the lines season is what I call that because it was Mike Zimmer and John DeFilippo sniping at each other um, through the media. You know, we could very easily start seeing that soon if if things don't turn around. So Mike and Kirk are stuck. Like they're just stuck unless Mike gets fired, which Courtney, I uh, certainly don't expect through the course Mm -hmm. of the 2020 season. All right. So let me ask you this. Let's play this entire thing out on the track it's going, which is not going to be pretty. It just is not. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think the odds are that either Gary Kubiak is fired, which probably he's not, but more, more likely walks away because Mike now has very much, uh, a history of if things don't go right offensively, Mike gets upset and Mike says flippant things. And I just don't know that Gary needs this. Gary, yeah. you know, Gary's got, I think, the farm in Colorado. Gary's got money. I don't know that Gary needs this. Zimmer can't fire him because you cannot have three offensive coordinators in a five-year span uh, leave in the middle of the season or exit uh, beyond you know, their control in the middle of the season, because that is grounds for getting yourself fired because you can say what you want. And I know Mike has taken offense to people calling him difficult to work with and kind of that notion that's out there about him, whether North put that out there or not, whether flip put that out there or not, it's out there. So um, he takes, he takes exception to that. He doesn't like that. So I think that he knows he can't just fire Gary. And honestly, Gary isn't the problem by and large. I thought the play calling was, 
better uh, for the most part. I still don't think, you know, that final drive had a, had a lot going on with it, um, certainly with the offensive line. But, you know, Kirk does not look comfortable in shotgun. And given how much he was pressured that day, I thought that was an interesting choice, at least for three of those four plays after the roughing the passer penalty. But nonetheless, I don't think Gary is truly at fault here. Um, and I don't, you know, to, to, to kind of gauge where Mike is right now, I don't feel like Zimmer feels like Gary's a fault here and he needs some fall guy. I honestly think that they just, you know, given what he says week to week, guys are getting better. It's It sucks that they have nothing to prove for it or to be able to show for it. But I think he's kind of in batting down the hatches type mode. This year's going to be rough, but we're going to be better down the road. Um it's just going to be a matter of will ownership give you that leash? Will they give you enough to work, enough leeway to work with here in order for you to get to 2021 um, without having to have some firings of some sort? Because usually, like midseason firings are typically reactionary type moves, not like hey, we've calmly and rationally thought about this. It's we need to do something. I remember in 2018 when he fired DiFilippo, he said he did it to save the season. Well, it didn't save the season. Um, but that's a reactionary type move of I can't go any further with the way that things are. So I don't know if they have a choice. I feel like they're going to have to go further and go the distance this season with what they have, because it's going to just the optics of firings this year or really anything guys, like just given the extensions that everybody's received looks really financially irresponsible. Yeah, And they did. I mean, and, and to Kirk's point after the game, you know, 30 points and 450 mm-hmm. yards or whatever, like it was the offense in, in total was much better in week three than it mm-hmm. was in the first two weeks. And we saw, we'll talk Absolutely. about, we'll talk about Justin Jefferson's breakout performance here on the show too. And uh, he has emerged. It looks like as a star receiver, but I think my biggest criticism when you when you listen back to that Kirk little that little that little like jab that he took about well I mean you know he he can call it chaos or whatever is kind of what he was implying but you know um, when we score thirty points and we put up that many yards usually that's enough to get it done and, I, and my criticism to that has been right but you can't ignore what happened on the final drive because most NFL games come down to late in the fourth quarter it's a one score game. And the quarterback has the ball in his hands. And my contention throughout the last three years of Kirk Cousins has been that outside of that Saints playoff game, which he does deserve a ton of credit for, and he never has to give that back. But outside of that Saints game, he has been terrible in those situations. And so it just it feels it. I hate the I hate the way it looks and sounds and I hate the leadership aspect of of saying, well, I mean, you can you can point to this colossal disaster at the end of the game. And the offensive line was bad, too. But look at this other part of the game. It's like, no, the, the part that you're sweeping under the rug is equally as important. The mm-hmm. game the game flow might be different in how it gets there, but you're going to have the ball in your hands on a regular basis, and he fails more often than not. And I have a note on that in a second. But um, but did you did you take that comment to be sort of a, a bad leadership comment? Or what? Like, how did you take Kirk's reaction to Mike's reaction? I think he was frustrated at it because – there've been, there've been times where Zimmer said it's not Kirk's fault. Like he's, he's come out at least um, maybe not in the strongest way to be like, that's my guy, that's my quarterback, but he has before not thrown Kirk under the bus. And I wouldn't say that he threw him under the bus this time. I think he was just honestly speaking about the state of the whole offense. It was ridiculous what happened there. Um, Minute 44 seconds. You don't have to go score a touchdown. You have to get them in field goal range. You pretty much, once you were gifted that roughing the passer penalty, which I'm sure didn't feel great getting hit, um, but, you know, starting at your own 40-yard line, you need to go about, 
you know, 30 yards, maybe, maybe 35 to 40 to, to get Dan Bailey in field goal range. Like that's all you had to do. And that should be like two or three plays maximum. Um, but you know, I think what this boils down to is like, well, who do you blame for the chaos? And this is what I wrote uh, coming out of that game because there's a lot of blame to go around right now, right? Can we all say it's Rick Spielman's fault because he didn't address the offensive line? No. Can we say it's all Mike Zimmer's fault because his defense got gashed and there was gains of 41, 44, 61, 38 yards? Just get a big, big explosive place. No, you can't say it's all Mike Zimmer's fault. Can you say it's all Kirk Cousins' fault? No. There's collective chaos that really starts at the top of why these people are here, why they got extensions. Uh, I think it, I think ownership certainly needs to look at itself in the mirror and say, did we make the right decision? And yeah, it's three weeks, but I don't think the way that they lost these three games in these three weeks um, is, is not cause for concern. So I think that you look at it through that lens um, in assigning blame and figuring out, okay, who's, who's at fault here uh, and how's it fixed. But you know, Cousins saying that, that doesn't surprise me because, you know, by and large, you're never going to get Kirk after a game to be like T-Mac style game seven. That's on me. He's not going to do that. He never has. And that's it's kind of frustrating when you're when you cover this guy um, and he's had chances to be like, yeah, like it's on me. I think the fan base would love to hear some culpability there. Um and not saying, what was that game that Cat, like, uh, was that a playoff game where he, like, scored, like, 40 and 20? And he's like, oh, yeah. I sucked. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. be disingenuous like yeah. that. Like, whatever that situation was, Amen. don't do that. But, like, show some sort of culpability. Be like, man, you know, that final drive, like, we we had a great game up until that point, and we imploded. And it sucks. And this is – a I can't have that happen. As a quarterback, as the leader of this team, I can't have that happen. But – you're never going to also hear Kirk Cousins kind of come out and pull the Kyle Rudolph of as a leader of this team. Like Kirk kind of, he's, he's always, he's a very quiet leader. He um, is not your typical prototypical NFL quarterback being like, this is my team. This is my locker room. Like he, I don't know if that's calculated. I don't know if he chooses to do that for a certain reason, but you're never going to find him doing that. So the lead by example thing, when the example's good is what he's going to lean on. And he just hasn't had a whole ton to lean on. So I think I understand Phil, like, that comes up kind of off as a, um, you know, uh, well, like we did our part for the most, most part, you can't really look at us. Like, you know, if he wants to call it chaos, whatever. But um, I think it was, I know that he later said like some good things about Harrison Smith and um, the defense. And that was a little later, but you know, at that moment, it did kind of feel like a little bit of a shot back at Zimmer in the defense. So, I'd like to go back to March 2018 for the start of this entire – for the start mm-hmm. of where we're sitting here discussing right now. And okay. that's the relationship. And look, I will grant you that this is when, – when you are when you are trying to acquire or sign a franchise quarterback, Courtney, I will grant you that this is a difficult discussion and it's a very difficult thing to gauge. But I think at the end of the day, when this is all said and done, we are going to see the marriage of Zimmer and Cousins as one of the worst possible between quarterback and coach, and here's why. Think about this. Think about taking Case Keenum's brain and putting it in Kirk's head. Because Mike Zimmer is very comfortable with, and look, this might not be the right, but it's who he is. He spent all of 2017 basically going to podiums and questioning his QB, who was having this miraculous one-time, and we all knew that, Mm -hmm. but one-time great year. 
And that quarterback was told everything that Mike said in his post game. And that QB basically was like, yeah, okay, cool. Bye. See ya. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's my offense, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I really think the starting point here is not is not Cousins' ability as a player on the field all the time. It's his ability to be able to process what his coach is saying and how his coach te- uh, uh, treats him. And the last thing is you can never tell me that at some point in time Zimmer was not pulled aside by Spielman, the Cousins camp, I don't know whom, early on after Kirk had been signed and told, you can't do this to Kirk. And that and that in itself is a problem. Well, ego comes into play here. You're not going to tell me how to how I can talk about my quarterback. You're not going to tell me how I have to handle somebody. You're not going to tell me I have to handle him with kid gloves. It's my team. Um, but then again, like I always defer back to this one meeting. The what was it like February? It was the weekend after DeFilippo got hired here, so they finally have an offensive coordinator in 2018. There's six people in a meeting room that all decided Mike Zimmer, John DeFilippo, Kevin Stefanski, Spielman, Brzezinski, and Peyton. Minimum six people. Might have been somebody else in there too, but I know those six. All in the same room saying, okay, let's watch through the quarterbacks. Are we all in agreement of going after Cousins? Everyone said yes. Otherwise, this wouldn't happen. So Zimmer, clearly, I may remember him talking about Teddy and he didn't know about the knee. And obviously, Case was never going to come back here. Um, he signed that great deal. Good for him. He got his money when the light, when he was able to strike when the iron was hot. Um, and with Sam, you just didn't know either. So they all agreed on Cousins. So it's kind of like, you can't go back and say, that was never my guy. You didn't treat him like he was your guy, but you agreed to bring him here. You are part of essentially this whole brain power, brain trust that decided to bring this quarterback here. So you have no one to blame but yourself. Um, And maybe he was like the best of a mediocre bunch, but you still did it. So I, um, I definitely think that Kirk is somebody though, when it comes to the processing and when it comes to Matthew Collar uh, and I were talking about this on, on his show, purple insider of like Kirk has big bunny ears, the big, big bunny ears that hear (laughs) everything. Um, and anybody can say, yeah, I don't really read all that stuff, blah, blah, He sees and he hears everything because I think that that honestly has an effect on him um, and, you know, the confidence factor there. Uh, and, and when it's coming from the head coach who's, you know, not thrilled, but he's, he's Mike, you know, it's the one thing you can really credit Mike Zimmer for. He's a crappy liar, a really bad one. So anytime he's, anytime he's trying to hide how he truly feels about something or not – you know, not let you know, let, let you in on a little secret. He, he's got a lot of tells. I may not be a scout, but I can tell you exactly what his tells are of knowing, okay, he's not telling the truth here. And it's very obvious. And that's, you know, with Kirk Cousins, it's like sometimes he can't hide the frustration because he expects better. You should expect better when you're paying the guy that much and he's been around this offense and you've done literally everything with him in mind. Like, I understand the frustration, but I don't think he's going to change. And, you know, at this point, it's kind of like, hey, Kirk, figure it out or don't. And and that's kind of how I think Zimmer approaches it. Hey, back to Purple Daily in just a moment. But a quick shout out to Federated Insurance. Federated's been around since 1904. They're one of us based in Owatonna, Minnesota. And they've been helping business owners for that entire stretch over 100 years. And they want you business owners out there across the state of Minnesota to know that you business owners are our local partners our neighbors, our families, our friends, and this has been a really tough year 
But uh, but Federated is here when you need help. They are honored to serve and help protect your business. You get that great face-to-face relationship at Federated. And uh, you can find out more about resources that will help protect your business at federatedinsurance.com. Where you can also find your local marketing representative as well. Remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. So I want to present you guys you like here. that? I just did a little digging on stathead.com earlier this morning because, as I said earlier in the show, it's it's just you can look at all the fantasy numbers and he puts up 4,000 yards and uh, and and even like he, he's had high PFF grades in the past. And but it's always been my contention that at the at the end of games, something just feels off about Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. and, and something just feels he, he panics. He's indecisive. Sometimes the offensive line doesn't help, like when they allowed 60 percent pressure rate on Sunday. But he mostly just gets swallowed up by the moment from my observation. And mm-hmm. so I decided to do a deep dive into the numbers. And the numbers absolutely back that up. Since Kirk Cousins joined the Vikings, he has one regular season game-winning drive as classified by StatHead.com. And a game-winning drive is just any drive in the fourth quarter that puts your team in front for good and you win the game. So if, if the drive happens with 14 minutes left and you go up by a touchdown – and uh, and your defense holds strong, that's a game-winning drive. So mm-hmm. we're not talking about, like, buzzer beater in basketball where you have to hit it within, you know, two seconds. Any fourth-quarter drive that puts your team in front for good is a game-winning drive, according to StatHead.com. He has yeah. one of those since joining the Vikings in 2018. There are 30... And he came against Denver, of all teams. Like, yes. a team that they should never have been in that... They put themselves in that situation early, and they should never have needed that fourth quarter to, to come back and win that yep. game. Shout and out to Stephon Diggs. He's, he's the entire reason. Like, I've never seen a player take over a game in football the way that he did in that in that second half. Yeah, and, and now Stephon Diggs is paying major dividends in Buffalo. So mm-hmm. you might be wondering, oh, well, okay, well, that's not very good, but what's the context? There are 39 quarterbacks since 2018 with more game-winning drives than Kirk Cousins, including Josh Rosen, Dwayne Haskins, Blaine Gabbert. Kirk has one. Josh Mm -hmm. Allen has 10. Ryan Tannehill has nine. Mitch Trubisky has six. Baker Mayfield has six. That's your context. And it's not for lack of chances. We remember the Chicago game last year on the road, the Green Bay game this last weekend when all you need is just a couple of first downs, basically, to give Dan Bailey a 50-yard field goal. And so where I want your guys' feedback is I started thinking, all right, like, that's really bad. 39 quarterbacks, including a lot of backups, that have done this more often in the fourth quarter. Who do I currently trust in the NFL in those situations more than Kirk. So ball in your hand, fourth quarter, let's say late in the fourth quarter, and all you need is a drive to win the game either via field goal or touchdown. And I'll fly through my list here real quick. For me, it's uh, it's like it's 17 guys for sure, possibly 20. It's Russ, it's Rodgers, it's Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Big Ben, even though, you know, he's old, but he looks like he still has it to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Cam Newton, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Stafford, Jared Goff, Dak. I trust all those guys more in those situations. And I might even say Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, and Joe Burrow, which gets me to 20. And I might be missing a couple. That's Yeah, 
I hear you. It's a hard, I always struggle with that stat specifically because I brought this up uh, when I was going through it the other day. Like when I covered the Raiders in 2016, every game was a heart attack waiting to happen. Derek Carr had something like seven or eight fourth quarter slash game winning drive, um, fourth quarter comeback game winning drives. Like that was, you know, what's classified as what you, what you laid out, Phil. Um, And I remember it's like, did he? What does that stat tell you? It tells you that the quarterback was clutch at that time. It doesn't necessarily tell you he was on a great team, though, because in spite of that team making it to the playoffs, their defense was awful. Like, it's just really bad. So they, their defense put them in that situation where they had to have these fourth-quarter comebacks regularly to win games. And, you know, there are a lot of good teams in the NFL. So like you mentioned before at the start of the show – you're going to have games that come down to the wire. Does that mean that, you know, one, one team's defense was all, or both teams defense were, were awful and it just became shootouts maybe, but it also could just be the flow of the game and just kind of natural things that happen in the state of a football game between two really good teams, like the games that we want to watch, not the defense optional type games of that 2018 Rams chiefs. Like that's not the example I'm going at, but like you're going to have that, more times than not when you're facing good competition in the NFL. Like, why hasn't Kirk had more game-winning drives? I think a lot of it, and it's certainly on him, but situationally, what were we looking at there? Did he have a chance to go and win the game, or was you know was field position a problem? Was, was the offensive line, the skill players? And I'm not making excuses for him, but I think there are a lot of things that go into that, but that is certainly the jarring stat. Like, every time he goes on Monday Night Football, his, his record's – what is he? Oh, and seven now. Oh, and eight, something that's pasted yeah, like every eight or like, nine, Yeah. It's, it's not good. And it's like, same thing with the game winning drives, fourth quarter comebacks, like how low he is on that list. Um, like he didn't have one until he got to Minnesota. That's a problem. Same thing with like not having a playoff win, getting the contract that he did before he got to Minnesota. Like that's a problem. So I just kind of feel like that's who he is. And, and there's no real concrete answer for it, but I do think that, Game-winning drive, if you can lead one, it shows that the, above all else, it shows you you have the clutch gene. And I just don't think that we've been able to see that consistently with Kirk because he is the most hot and cold quarterback in the NFL. I think the question, too, uh, to the stats and what Phil was talking about, guys, is this, the why. Why? And mm-hmm. I think the answer is incredibly simple. Look at, at the quarterbacks who have the ability to lead those drives even semi-consistently and they are they are high risk at times, but they are people who have the ability to actually work through conditions that are less than ideal. And that's not Kirk. Kirk needs look. I mean, if you came to me now and said define Kirk, it's not hard. Kirk has ability. Kirk is is mentally fragile. Um, and if things go off script, he's pretty much screwed. He's pretty much in huge trouble. It's why it's why in Two of the worst games I have seen this team play in years, weeks one and two, mm-hmm. when Kirk was on script, Kirk was still pretty damn good, despite the fact the team probably stinks. So I think that if if you if you look at fourth quarter comebacks, and clearly a master of that was Brett Favre, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it didn't mean he didn't screw up, because he certainly did too, but Brett Favre loved off script. Sometimes it was great, and his team won, and sometimes it was to the detriment of his franchise. Kirk doesn't like that. And so when Kirk got the ball, when the ball was at the 40 on Sunday, Courtney, late in that game, and the Vikings have the ball, did you ever think to yourself, they're going to do this? Because I never thought that. 
Which no, is an incredible I, thing to, to say because he had clock to spare. Yeah, he had clock to spare and good field position. Yeah. Um, there was no part of me at that moment that said, okay, because I was watching the way the offensive line had played. And, and typically that's something that you don't see until you watch the game back. But, I mean, he was getting beat up back there. And the offensive line is just – I mean, Drew Samia should not be playing right guard. It's not a good situation. Um, but I just – I didn't have any confidence that the off- offense was going to be able to get in field goal range and pull that off, just given what we had seen from the line at that point. But also knowing what Kirk's like in those pressure situations. Like, what I equate it to – and I'm sure you guys probably all have felt this. Like, when do you do your best work? For me, it's not on deadline because I'm frazzled as hell. And <laughs> like the best work I do during a game is when the game's already decided, like, and I can start kind of leisurely writing my work in the fourth quarter and have all this time. But it's like when I have four word docs open um, and I have to get something filed on the, at the buzzer because the game back and forth, back and forth. And I have like this pressure type situation. It's like, get it done. Um, inevitably something might go awry and it's like just get the basics of what you need on the page it's not going to be your best work but in those situations you don't anticipate writing a pulitzer uh when you have 30 seconds to rewrite your story so i kind of at least just like trying to figure that out i kind of think of it like kirk like he's not going to do his best work under pressure that is just not who he is as a quarterback when he can have a situation where he can go light up the lions or the jets or you know the Washington football team, he looks great, but he's never really, he was never really in competition anyways. Like he was always head and shoulders above those teams when he's playing them. But when he's put into let's ha- let's show our clutch gene type situations, um, that's where he falters, but that's, that's who he's been. It's not like he lost it. He's not like he had it and lost it. Correct. That's always who he's been. Yeah. It's uh are you, but, uh, did you just say that you're kind of the Kirk cousins of, uh, of deadline writers there? Is that what just happened? You no. Know, the thing is, I'm, I've never, I was never a newspaper writer by trade. Like, I remember writing a lot of high school gamers, like, on my phone. And that, like, you know, when I was in Mississippi. <laughs> um, and that, that, that'll teach you how to be a journalist, like, for real. Because, like, that was, talk about pressure kick situations, like, trying to, like, nail that. Um, and it's just, like, you know, I can get it done. I certainly did this past week. I mean, it was tough because it's, like, you're, you're trying to, like, make sure you have all the nuts and bolts of the story and like your eloquent thing that you started writing in the second half about, they finally figured it out on offense that all goes out the window when they botch this drive. (laughs) They had a 12 point um, lead Cronin. There was no excuse to blow that a 12 point lead should be writing time for us. And it was, I know me too. I was just like, I'm going to start writing about Justin Jefferson. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. That was my story. The whole thing was about Justin Jefferson and it's like delete, delete, delete new word doc. But yeah, I wouldn't say I'm like, you know, I've pulled off some miracles before, but uh, it, I, don't prefer, I don't prefer it. I don't think Kirk prefers to be in those situations where it's like mano y mano, let's go, let's let me flex my clutch gene on you. I just don't think that he want. I don't think that's a comfortable situation for him to be in. I did think it was a little unfair when Courtney's editor came out on Monday and called the uh, the end of game writing process a disaster and chaotic. But that's just me. <laughs> just me chaos chaos is a great word (laughs) chaos is the perfect word to describe it well since we're talking quarterback and we're and we're doing this deep dive into Kirk Cousins I think we would be failing our audience if we also didn't do an update on what's happening on tankathon.com I want a mock so if Courtney Cronin could leave and if if Courtney our draft scout could just come into the picture here uh, and if you could fire up some appropriate music that's going off 
No, she's Dra- awake. Draft scout's awake? Oh, okay. She doesn't... Yeah. I mean, it's early. Draft is a couple months away, but she's, you know, scouting whatever college tape there is to scout right now. Yeah, Courtney, our draft scout, doesn't sleep. I hope she's she wearing waits. a mask or a full <laughs> Zimmer shield. <laughs> All right. According to tankathon.com right now, the number one overall pick, quarterback Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, to the Atlanta Falcons. There we go. There's our music. <laughs> Thank you, Dan Quinn. I want a mock. Mock. Unbelievable. The number two overall pick. The New York Giants are happy with uh, Danny Dimes at quarterback. And so they go with, is it pronounced, uh, Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon. Mm -hmm. And they've got the Minnesota Vikings with the number three overall pick. Tankathon.com selecting. Justin Fields. Quarterback Justin Fields. I want a mock. Mock. Honestly, if that happens, I know a lot of people are going to be like, Okay, well, what do you do with Kirk? Well, it's possible that you would already have decided by then. There's there's so many things to decide, like, even before the league year starts because his contract for 2022 mm-hmm. guarantees if he's on the roster, like, the second week Third in day. March, right? Third so, day of the league year next year. But you still he's already but you have to, But you have to take – but if that quarterback <laughs> is there, it's incumbent that you take him and bite the bullet, too. That's what makes yeah, this I so mean, intriguing. My thought is that before you have to decide next year. So whatever those those 72 hours before free agency, like you decide, okay, are we going to cut him? Um, Because I think you have to cut him. Like if you otherwise, if he's on the roster on the third day of the 2021 league year, his salary for 2022 guarantees at that point. And then it's like crud, like no one's going to pick up that contract. And you'd have an absurdly high cap hit for someone who would be, on your bench at that point is what you think. Yes. So we'll know one way or the other, but you know, Phil, uh, I, I just, I think cause ESPN's FPI coming out of the week three slate had them at like 14th right now, but that's like, just like draft positioning, like where they were at. And they had like a 40% chance to get a top 10 pick uh, somewhere beneath like 15% for like the top five. I do think that this this fan base, like, don't get your hopes up for, like, Tank for Trevor and all that stuff, that they're never going to be that bad that they end up getting the number one overall pick. Like, I honestly think Justin Fields is kind of out of reach right now, too, unless they trade up. Because to me, it feels like it's going to be Giants, Jets, some combination of that, Atlanta, Cincinnati, maybe throw in um, a Detroit in there somewhere, and then Minnesota. I don't feel like Minnesota's a top five. They're not top five bad draft positioning yet like I mean it's still early but wouldn't it be just so fitting if they end up getting like another corner or an offensive lineman like with a top 10 pick and they still don't get they the trade down get get trade a fifth down. round pick here here's what they need desperately too they need the Falcons to finally do the right thing and fire Dan Quinn soon here because I think the Falcons can go on a run and win games but they have to have mm-hmm. a different coach they you, have yeah. to. You have to. If, if you're rooting for the tank path here, and there's a lot of people that listen to the show and that watch the show on YouTube that are all in on tank for Trevor or whatever. Yeah. And, and so if that's the side of the fence that you're on, this game against Houston is pivotal. You have yeah. to lose this game against Houston. You're going to lose to Seattle. Go Bill O'Brien. And to Judd's point, if, if, the, if the Falcons can make a coaching switch and get that boost for week six or whatever week that will be, week seven. The problem is your schedule on the back half, there's a lot of teams that are also going to be vying for the Tankathon title. There's the Jaguars, there's the Carolina Panthers, 
the Lions mm-hmm. a couple of times. Don't, like, don't give up on the Vikings check out here, though. Veteran guys can check out. We need, we're going to need them to check out. Now, now, if you guys want the ultimate, let me give you chaos. Let me give you 72 hours of chaos in Egan that could be absolutely the most glorious thing I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot. All right? If the Vikings get if the Vikings get a top three pick, all right, within, as Courtney said, a basically a three-day period, you have to decide on Cousins, potentially, mm-hmm. or what you're going to do there. You cannot be denied the, the fact that if you've got a top three pick, you probably have to take a QB because this draft is good for one. That brings up the huge curveball chaos factor. Within that time period, you probably have to make a decision, and it could be an expensive one, on your head coach. Who do you want to handle the new quarterback? And if you have to handle a Cousins new quarterback situation, Zimmer's the last guy on the face of the earth that can do it. Do you make a coaching change at some point in time then based on that as well? Because management of that will be imperative to the success of this franchise in the future. That's chaos. You're right. No, that's, that's, that's yeah. Because you're tipping your hand at your draft pick too. Like, do you then have to? What are the other two teams? If we when we know the order, um, what if they're going to take the top two quarterbacks back to back? Never know. So it's like you kind of put yourself in a situation there where it's like if you cut Kirk, which you'd have to do because you, the way that contract is structured, is agents a genius to get the the 2022 base salary guaranteed on the 2021 third day of the league year. That's that's excellent work, but. Um, you have to make a lot of situation, a lot of decisions right then and there. And it's like, you know, when people talk about Dan Quinn being fired and kind of what's the order and, you know, is Mike Zimmer in that list? If things get even worse, like, I think that that would certainly be in consideration just thinking logically here, but gosh, that is a lot of money that you're eating kind of all at once because coaches contracts are nearly fully guaranteed, if not all fully guaranteed. And I don't know what the buyout is, but you're probably paying double digit million dollars to, to be able to get rid of him and eating Kirk's uh, 2021 salary. And, you know, a lot of other, I mean, there could be a lot of other things. It could just get, a, it could be a very expensive March for them next year. He, here's the craziest part about Kirk's contract. So his, his average base salary over the three years uh, is like $33 million or something, but mm-hmm. his cap hit is spread out. Very differently, his cap hit for this year is only twenty one million. They they brought it down from like thirty three million so that yeah. they can spend money on guys like Michael Pierce. It was a, it was a win now move to restructure. His cap hit next year is thirty one million. His cap hit in two thousand twenty two is forty five million dollars. Yeah. And so that to me that number was set up as a as a restructure target, anyways. Mm-hmm. But I just don't like if you restructure it, you, then you have to guarantee him money into two thousand twenty three. And so I would like. If this keeps going the way that it's going, yeah. it's a sunk cost. It's it's money that like if you keep spreading it out and restructuring and bring like you're not fixing your quarterback situation if you feel like you have to move on. And so I would take a long hard look if you can't get a seventh round pick for him or something in a trade after the season. I would actually crazily consider flat cutting him and eating all that dead cap because at some point you're going to have to do it. Eric Eager came on here last week and he's like, just do it. <laughs> you're going to have yeah, to do it anyway. I mean, so it's the, you've set yourself up kind of for that situation. I think as a, um, you know, as a franchise, like just given the way that you structured the deal, given, you know, they weren't going to, his representation was not going to take anything less than a fully guaranteed deal again. And yeah, this isn't technically that, but it's mostly fully guaranteed. I mean, the fact that you have, 
your your salary for a year out is guaranteed on the third day of next year. Like that's crazy. But um, I want I just I would like to have a pulse on ownership and see how do they feel about that. Do they see the writing on the wall? Do they see what's potentially coming? And how do they feel? It's their money after all. Like how do they feel about right. uh, potentially just eating? You know. 30 plus million dollars next year for someone who isn't even going to be potentially if you cut him on your bench because you can't keep him around because then you're guaranteeing for 2020. It's literally like, then it just gets so absurdly expensive. It's just financial. I think this whole thing is financially irresponsible, but it's not my money. So. Right. But I think, I think the problem is is this. I I think ordinarily the Wilfs probably would, would go a long way towards going down the path that we're talking about. If they were advised, that was the best plan. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about COVID time now, and we're talking about, yeah. you know, there's no fans in the stands. There, there is no question that the amount of cash that the Vikings and the rest of the league is going to bring in in 2020 is not going to be the same. And so are you willing to pay off all of those people, including potentially your head coach, to go away and then hire a new head coach who's going to cost you a lot when and it's gonna take time, cash probably. is down? Yeah, yeah. so I don't know about that. They better start filling those rooms in the hotel. Like, make some money somehow. That looks like a nice hotel, by the way. A beautiful hotel. That's a Um, really nice hotel in Egan. But it's just like, you know, you look at the situation of just like the, like, we forget that we're still in the middle of a global pandemic and the cap could potentially go down next year. The Vikings Um, don't, Courtney. They can't go into practice. Yeah, they they know they're in the middle of a global (laughs) pandemic, but the rest of the league apparently doesn't. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, it's financial implications. Like, you've got to wonder is ownership going to, maybe put their foot down because they have been very loyal to people and bringing paying paying absurd salaries and giving doling out really expensive contracts maybe where they shouldn't like are they going to have to be like sorry the well's drawing up a little bit like being responsible financially i know you're billionaires but good lord like you just willing to throw millions of dollars out the window like that's not probably the smartest business strategy if you want to continue to own this team for another 15 years so well, um, basically, fill the hotel if you want to see change at quarterback. That's the that's the message for this podcast. Uh, quick shout out to Corona Hard Seltzer. The ultimate home tailgate party is our giveaway this month. At least the uh, the back half of this month. A sixty five inch TCL TV with a soundbar, two hundred dollars worth of Grunhoffer's meats, and a hundred dollars to MGM Wine and Spirit. So uh, a big TV. A bunch of red meat or whatever, and uh, maybe some maybe some white meat and some a uh, hundred dollars in MGM wine and spirits. Like that's how you get over a rough purple loss. That's you can, a Tuesday for Judd. It is a Tuesday for Judd. Yeah, it's yes. Tuesday, Wednesday, basically. I mean, that's a lot to d- digest in one day. So I usually spread it over two. But that's yeah, yeah it's pretty accurate. There's there's two ways to enter, and you have to enter by tomorrow. Download the Score North app. It's free in the Apple and Google Play stores. You can register your name and email and enter through the listener rewards link in the top right corner or just go to scorenorth.com and click on rewards. You'll see it right there. Thanks to Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. And uh, that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Hey, everyone. It's Mackie. Join your favorite Minnesota sports teams for home teams versus hunger now through September 30th. During this one-of-a-kind fundraiser, you can bid on amazing sports items, unique team experiences, autographed merchandise packages, and more. All proceeds will benefit Second Harvest Heartland and Minnesota's six Feeding America food banks. To view a complete list of items or to bid, go to scorenorth.com, keyword home teams. scorenorth.com, keyword home teams. It's time to come together to help feed those in need. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 3. It was my first time traveling alone. Packed my car with hiking boots, a camera, and my dog, Randy. I don't know what I was searching for. Maybe it was something new with adventure. 
Maybe it was the idea of vacation I would never expect, filled with wildlife, national parks, rivers. Whatever it was I set out to find, it was all there and more. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.